jump on stage real quick, if you don't mind. Um, if anybody listens to Elevation uh, Worship for their church, it's Stephen Furtick, and he used an illustration that really uh, stood out to me. And uh, so I'm just going to see if I can uh, have these guys duplicate this a little bit. Do you guys, uh, either of you guys wrestle? Wrestle? No, maybe? Uh, let's say, um, Hayden, just lay on your stomach. Lay on your stomach. If you don't mind, lay on your stomach. Sometimes in wrestling, you get in this position where you are down. And Sam, Sam is Hayden's dad. Give them a big round of applause because they don't know what I'm going to do. And just lay on him, like put him in like a chokehold or something. Like this is, it's just an illustration. It's nothing worse than that. So uh, this is what sometimes church feels like. You are Hayden. And Satan is Sam. Sorry, Sam. But Satan is Sam. And then you hear me, the pastor, say, hey, Hayden, just get up. And Hayden thinks like, oh, why didn't I think of that? And I say as a pastor, Hayden, all you need is a little bit more of Jesus in your life. And Hayden's like, I would like to get up, but I got this guy on me and I can't even move. And I say, well, God gives you freedom. He gives you healing. He's your hope. Like, just get up. And Hayden's like, well, Sam's on top of me. I can't do anything. And so what would... Uh, Hayden need to do, he would need to call on Jesus and call on the church and have people come and remove Satan and stand in the gap and intercede on his behalf. So if, let's just say, Sam, you can uh, roll off. And then if, uh, Hayden, your dad's not on you, what can you do? You can stand up. So again, stand up, stand up. Give these guys a big round of applause. You guys are done. Thank you so much. And I think that's at times what happens in the local church. We don't know. I don't know the week you've had. I don't know what you've experienced. But we say, hey, you need Jesus. Just stand up for God. Just read the Bible. And you're like, oh, I'm just struggling to make it today. I can't catch my breath. The uh, illustration that I stole and I've used a million times is like if you're drowning and you're drowning and you can't, but then somebody hands you a baby. Sometimes that's how it feels like in this life we call the Christian life. You're like, ah, oh, I just can barely make it. And you're saying there's freedom in Jesus and I just feel all this pressure and we as a church need to intercede for others and be there for one another. So we do thank you for your continued giving through tithes and offerings and it's certainly a blessing for us to be able to give and serve this way. I did not know they were going to be here so I don't want to embarrass them but Todd Carrier has been in the hospital. He needs to have a valve replacement and then he needs uh, stents as well and before he could do that he had to have a tooth removed and that tooth removed has to get healed before he can go in and have this serious condition taken care of and so uh, we have a special uh, love offering bag up here. And if you would like to contribute to that, we would have you uh, give a special love offering. We're going to be collecting this for the next couple of weeks for the carriers. Todd is uh, self-employed and we just want to bless them this way because this is what the family of God does. This is what the church does. And if you say, well, you never gave, took up an offering for me. It's like, well, do we know the need? Because like, I believe the Holy Spirit speaks to me, but I'm not a psychic. So if there is a need, share the need and we as a church can come around and be the there for each other and so you can give those ways uh ties and offerings the bags are here give online mail uh, checks to the chapel campus as well but we want to be a church that intercedes on behalf of others as we continue in the book of acts and you're like oh do we really need a sermon that was such good singing and it's like well i'll make it short because that was really good singing and i just enjoyed it so much but 
as we concluded the last couple of weeks, there was great joy in that city, Acts 8.8. The city is in Samaria. What was that city? Some say the city of Samaria. Some say uh, within Samaria, a city. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told people there about the Messiah. They were pushed out. They were uh, scattered. But as we read earlier in the book of Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is Samaria. They're getting moved out. They're getting pushed out. Their comfort zone is expanding. Nobody likes it when your comfort zone is expanding. I was reminded once that we all have a box we live in. We all have a box we live in, but God wants to expand your box. So you can experience something new. You can experience him doing something in you that you never thought you could before. And that just might be you take a next step. You go across the street. You introduce yourself. You invite people into the love of Jesus that has cleansed you from your sin that sometimes you don't feel like, but you just know without God, you are lost and you need him. This is Samaria where God is taking his people. And I would dare say God would be taking us as well. This is from Acts, Acts chapter 8. Simon, the sorcerer, saw what the Spirit was doing through Philip. So he was given the apostles, uh, so was given when the apostles laid their hands on people. So he offered money to buy this power. This guy witnessed Philip do incredible things in the name of Jesus. And then this guy said, I want that power. That is just awesome. There's something about it that it just makes me emotional. There's something within me that how I was created that resonates. It just was drawn to how can I get it? Can I pay you for it? Sometimes in churches or in religion, we've been probably correctly uh, told that you just want money. And you think if you give me money, you can be absolved from a sin. You give money, then things can be done. And no, it's not money that can happen, but the truth of Jesus and his forgiveness in your life. So let me have this power too, Simon exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. It is nothing that can be bought. It's a simple gift from the Holy Spirit that God gives to us that we can share with others. Remember, this is Dr. Luke writing his friend Theophilus, telling them about what Jesus began to do and teach. This book of Acts was written by Dr. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. He's telling his friend about everything Jesus began to do and teach, which made me think maybe there was an idea of how you were supposed to live, to receive the Holy Spirit, to have God's blessing on you. Maybe there was a story that Luke told that uh, this guy Simon didn't understand that we could go back to. And so we look at Luke 10, 1 through 2. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to tell all the towns and places he planned to visit. This is Luke writing Luke, his first book before his second book, Acts, which we've been going through for months now. Luke said that Jesus sent out people in pairs because it's not good for man to be. It's not good for man to be. It's not wise for us as Christians to travel alone. That's why it says, do not be unequally yoked. Don't get married to somebody that has a different belief system than you. That's why it's so important that we, as believers, we seek other believers that we can walk and travel with. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are... Is that a lot or is that a little? 
the harvest is great, but the workers are few. It's kind of like, well, it didn't happen for us last summer. I was like, Beth, let's do like a salsa garden because, sorry, I just spit. You're far enough back. So let's start a salsa garden. You online, you probably caught it. Sorry about that. But uh, a salsa garden, because I like salsa, and it's only tomatoes and peppers and onions, tomatoes, peppers, and onions. So we got this topsoil, and we got these seeds, and it was so much fun. Well, for Beth, I kind of just watched. It's like, hey, you're doing a great job. It's looking awesome. So we're playing like this salsa garden. It was like so much fun. And it's like, hey, we're going to have like salsa, homemade salsa. I'm going to have these onions and peppers and uh, tomatoes, and it's just going to be really good. But at the end of the salsa garden season i think we had what half a pepper and like one rotten tomato and so there was not much salsa on the salsa garden but just say we were uh, green thumbs instead of no thumbs and just think like if we had if we had this going on and we had a salsa garden but then we went away on vacation and we had these ripe fresh uh tomatoes and onions and peppers and uh there was just so exciting but we were gone and well, they're just going to die on the vine. This is similar to the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That's why it's so exciting to see people stepping up and getting involved with the children and with the youth, with the music, with the women's ministry, with the activities of the local church so we can engage with one another because others need to know about this hope that Jesus gives. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. We're going to do that right now. Jesus, here we are in Vermont. Here we are desperately needing you. So send us workers and may we be faithful to steward what you give us well. In your name we pray. Amen. Ask him to send more workers. This is what we desire for Jesus to do. And so as uh, Luke and Jesus, uh, Luke is recording this interaction. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Simon in Acts said, hey, can I buy it? Well, this is in Luke, when Luke is telling the first time. There's a guy saying, hey, what do I need to do? And so he says, hey, what does the law of Moses say? If you've been following along in Acts, it's been saying, like, you keep say, trying to violate the law of Moses, keep trying to violate the law of Moses. Like, no, Jesus came to fulfill the law. But even in his earlier book, he knew the law of Moses was important for the religious experts. How do you read it? The man, the religious expert, said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, hey, that's right. Do this, and you will live. Do this, and you will live. In the Greek, it means live again. Wait, do this and you will live. Why is it so important to study the Bible? Because it gives a deeper understanding of the context of the original language. The original language was not King James. Sorry to break it to you. The original language was not King James. It was Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. Do this and you will live again if you love God with everything you have, everything you hope to become. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And the man wanted to justify his actions. So he said, and who is my neighbor? So you can't buy it. You need to love God, but then you have to love your neighbor. So what happens if you don't want to do something? Keep asking questions. So this is, well, not that I do it often, but I was uh, asked to, um, well, sweep the floor at the resort 
and I hate sweeping. Like you can't tell. It's like I'll mop it after it swept. And so I had another man, another bellman. He swept, and I mopped. And then you could see something like after it's mopped. You just kept asking questions and pushing it off, pushing it off. And this is what this guy was doing. But Jesus was smart because he was Jesus. He replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him off his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Maybe that's how Hayden was feeling, or you could put yourself in the picture of you feel like you've been destroyed. You had a terrible day, and you just want to be rescued by Jesus, but you can't get under the weight, the burden that's just pressing down on you. This conflict, this addiction, this idol, this whatever it is, it just keeps going over and over and over you, and you're like, ah, I just can't break free. And an effective local church should resemble its community. This is was told to me a while back, and I want to share this, that uh, if we want to be effective in, quote, Samaria or Waterbury, Waterbury Center, Duxbury, Bakersfield, wherever you live, then we need to understand, we need to resemble our community here. That's why when people say, like, Jeff, uh, for you, when do you have the lowest attendance? And I thought about it, and maybe you could guess it, but deer hunting season and maple sugaring season used to be our lowest attendance months, weeks of the year. Deer hunting and maple sugaring. And I thought, hey, we are a Vermont church. This is a good thing because we resemble our community. This goes on to say a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Wait, wait, wait. So a Jewish man gets beat up. Who likes maps? I was reminded, like, maps are kind of cool, especially when you're a kid. You're like, hey, maps, they're fun. So uh, this guy was going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he gets beat up, and a guy from Samaria, wait, they don't like Samaritans. And because you don't like me, I'm not going to like you. That's how it went. This is a deeper, you guys that are like detailed, like, oh, I need a better map. Well, you can see it here. So Jerusalem to Jericho, there's a Jewish man that gets beat up. Who? A Jewish man. Who goes by this Jewish man as the story goes? A priest. A priest. This is like a pastor. This is like a supposed godly person. He goes by, he's like, oh, that's too bad. I'm reading into it. That's too bad. I'll pray for you. But, uh, you know, trust Jesus. You'll be okay. And he goes on his way. And the next time a person, Jesus tells a story, a Levite. Who's a Levite? Like, we don't speak in Bible terminology a lot of times, so we need to uh, bring it out. It's uh, just a temple assistant. He goes by and he says, oh, well, uh, my priest, I guess he didn't want to touch you because you're unclean. Even though you're a Jewish man and even though like we have things in common, then I'm going to. It wasn't a Samaritan that got beat up. It was a Jewish man, one of their own, one of the family, one that believed the same. And they still didn't make time for their very own. But then this Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he had compassion on him. This person, let's try to put it in context if we can without getting all crazy, and I don't want to get emails after, not that I get many emails, but I don't want to get any after this. It's just like, what would it be like? Maybe be like uh, a black man that gets beaten by white police officers, and and then we as a church, we see it, and they're like, oh, that's too bad. But but we keep walking. Or, or maybe it's 
a white man that gets beaten up by black police officers. And we're like, oh, that's too bad. And oh, I'd like to get involved, but I don't want to get involved because like that's going to make me involved. And I, I have my own life I want to do. But the Samaritan who was hated by this person, he said, it is worse misery. I'm not going to walk past him. I'm going to make time to interact and engage and put my plans, my agenda, my wants, my desires on hold because I see a need and I need to meet this need. And all I have, it does not say, Jesus does not go in great detail on everything that he does, but he says he saw the man and he felt compassion on him. And because he felt compassion, he went over to him. He soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them, the healing balm. He had something that he was traveling with that he could use to immediately help the physical needs of this person. Uh, this past couple of weeks, I actually made contact with a student that used to be in our youth ministry. And he said, Jeff, I'm homeless, living in Fitchburg, Mass. And uh, the police have been great. They actually helped build a temporary shelter. It's kind of like a mini house because it's like these wooden pallets and gave me blankets. But and I just thought, wow, I wish I could do something. I received a phone call this uh, past week, and they said, uh, hey, uh, Pastor Jeff. And I said, yes. They said, what about this room you have available for me? <laughs> like, uh, I'm sorry, what are you referring to? And they said, well, I heard that you uh, give gift certificates for food and for um, uh, gas, gasoline, and I heard you might have a room. And I was like, sorry, we, we don't have a room, but we can fill your car with gas and we can, uh, and she went on to say like, I'm a senior adult and my um, living situation in the shelter is not going well. And I didn't know if there's anything that you could do for me. And he said, well, I can give you a gift card to a supermarket and fill your car with gas. And she said, no, give that to somebody that needs it. And I feel like Man, God would have us do so much more than simply assemble Sunday mornings because there are needs everywhere if we just open our eyes and have compassion on people and begin to meet their physical needs. How can we be there for you? How can we be present? How can we just encourage you to let you know you're not alone, that you can come to our house for a hot meal. You can come to our house and shower. You can come to our place and we can reach out and be the church. This is what we as Christians are called to do, not to say, well, call the government because we're mad at them too. And they have no answers because they don't have Jesus. But hey, we're going to deflect our responsibility as a church so you can go be mad at those we're mad at instead of saying, how can we as a church reach out and say, how can we soothe the wounds? Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. Well, what if it means... What if it means there's a hitchhiker? I'm not saying pitch up, pick up hitchhikers unless you hear from God. Then if you hear from God, make sure it's God and then obey God. But what I am saying that if you're driving like your nice new car, you just got it cleaned and there's somebody walking and they're hitchhiking and they may have soiled themselves and you're just like, oh, I, I don't. But I heard from God and I tested the spirits and it was God and I want to obey God in a church. I praise God and... Oh, my new car, like, Beth, can you get 
Jay's car and bring it and pick him up? What if God would have us say, what we have, God's given it to us for a purpose, for a reason that we can use what he's given us to help reach out that others might see in our own community that God loves them, that God is not just for those that show up Sunday, but for those that show up Sunday, God's opening the doors in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, that wherever we go, God could use us to soothe physical wounds and bring healing to the soul that only Jesus can give. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I will pay you the next time I'm here. So financially, this church, during COVID, I don't know how, it was God, and that was really God because I don't know how. We were blessed, and this was, what, two years ago, whatever it was, where the end of the year we got um, end-of-year gifts, which we never get. Usually we get, just so you know, and not to make anybody feel bad, because maybe somebody gave, and I don't know, which is good, because I shouldn't know, because I'm the pastor. But uh, we used to get like a one $500 check at the end of every December. That was every year. That was the only thing. This was two years ago, maybe three years ago, whatever it was. We had three people giving a total. So it's not three people that gave, but three people gave a total of $75,000 to the church. It was unbelievable. It was like, whoa, what is going on? And then this last year, we saw, well, a decrease in numbers from what we were were before. So there was a decrease in giving. And we're just like, okay, God, we are really slim with the budget. We're just trying to figure out, God, what do you want us to do? Honestly, the majority of tithes and offerings go for my salary. And it's like, God, I want us to be able to do more than just pay me. But I like to get paid, so thank you so much. But it's just like, what else can we do? And it's just like, ah! And then Missy told us, and I shared uh, last week, I believe, that we got a large gift at the end of last year. And so what was uh, low and we thought was so slim, we were able to meet budget. We were able to project out for this new year what God might have us do, not for us necessarily to get a building for us, not for us necessarily to get a church van so we can drive the youth around so we can pick up people, not necessarily for us to get for us, but so we can give to those in need and say, we are the church that loves you. And because we love you, we believe if we show you love, from our own blood, sweat, and tears, God might just connect your heart because he created you to his salvation, to his healing, to his love, to his forgiveness. That we would be a church that would be missed if we left. So my daughter, you know I love her. Jay, she's the best. Michael's the best too, but my daughter's my favorite daughter. So uh, Jay goes to a church now. It's called the local church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's actually a Wesleyan church, which was a surprise to me. It was a surprise to her. But the local church, they have a slogan was, is, will she cry? That is, will the city cry if we were not here? And if not, then why are we here? So I wonder, would people notice if we did not gather on Sunday morning? Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Was it the priest? He had position. He had a title. He had education. Was it the Levite, the temple assistant, who he was given some authority? He was given some leadership. He was... Or was it the Samaritan that you hate? 
The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. He would not, as you study this, it's so interesting that this religious expert would not even say the word Samaritan. He would not even identify where this person was from in this parable that Jesus told. That's how much he hated this Samaritan. But he said, the one who showed mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. So, music team, if you just come up. So, who does Jesus love? All of us. How can we receive the Holy Spirit? Can we buy it? Can we just gain it from knowledge and learning more and more and more? We are flooded with content. Or can we just simply lift our hands and surrender and say, Jesus, I desperately need you. Forgive me and reveal to me my blind spots. They're blind spots because you are blind to them. That I might see and know and be able to do in your strength, your will. So if you're overwhelmed with that, join the club. That's what Christianity is. Being overwhelmed, but giving into the freedom that Jesus has for us. It's not what you can buy. It's not how educated you are. It's not based on title or it's based on how you love that we might live again. Live again. Definitely not going to know. And it hopefully reminds, I think Jeff hit it, hit the nail square on the head today. Um, sometimes we overcomplicate what it looks like to be Christian. That we have to be pious and we have to be religious and we have to show up on Sunday and we have to do this and that. When really it's it's the little things. I'm a basketball coach and leather jacket. We preach to our kids the little things, and we stopped calling them the little things because they're not the little things. We've got it wrong. I've got it wrong up here. It's it's not about who hits the three at the end of the game. It's not about the the moments that are big, really, that feel so big. But it's about what you do in those tiny times. And this song takes it back to literally the the most simple form of interaction with God which is to just breathe in and breathe out. You don't even have to recognize that you're doing it. But guess what happens when you stop? You're done. That's the beauty of the simplicity that God made us with. So today I, I just sit and listen, sing along if you can catch it. It's not a terribly complicated song. But I hope that we're reminded of the simplicity of what Jeff's message was today. To love, to love each other, to, to get out there and, and just look for need. Every turn, it's all around. If you're not seeing, it's not because it's not there. It's because you're choosing not to see. So, hey, thank you, Pastor Jeff, for that message. Hit me in a real way today. Appreciate it. So.
Oh, Jesus, we thank you that you love us. We thank you for a place that we can assemble and, and praise you, but love one another. May your love abound on, in, and through us. You are worthy to be praised. Thank you, Jesus. We dare say we love you back, and it's in your name. Jesus, we pray. Amen. And you are dismissed. Thank you so much. <laughs>